The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are a podcast listener, but do you listen to podcasts with your kids? Today's guest actually makes a podcast that both you and your kids are going to really enjoy. Keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. I am excited today to bring Rebecca Shear on to talk about stories and circle around and listen. So Rebecca, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So you are a podcaster and a journalist. You've worked at like big stations that people will recognize, like WBUR Boston. We used to listen to that locally when we lived in Connecticut. Let's learn a little bit about you. What do you do? Well, now I am the host and writer and co-producer of Circle Round, the storytelling podcast from Boston's NPR station, WBUR. But I began my career telling stories on the radio to grownups. Um, (laughs) When I was in graduate school at the University of Iowa studying writing, uh, I fell in with Iowa Public Radio and started doing stories for them. And I fell in love with the medium. I loved the idea of writing for the ear as opposed for the eye. I was a musician growing up. I was a singer. And something about writing for the ear, making music out of words just really appealed to me. So when I graduated from the nonfiction writing program at Iowa, my original plan had been to go back to New York where I'd been living and work as a journalist or a columnist for every single magazine in the city. But instead, I moved to Alaska to host a public radio show. (laughs) So I was in Alaska for a few years. Um, I was briefly in Boston. Then I was back in Alaska. First, I was in Anchorage, then Juneau. Then I wound up in Washington, D.C., working for WAMU 88.5 and filling in for what we call the mothership um, yeah. NPR. I would fill in uh, for Lakshmi Singh and Corva Coleman during newscast. I would fill in for the host of Weekend, All Things Considered. So it was just grown-up stories all the time. Uh-huh. I'm all the time, all the time. And then at the very end of 2016, my husband and I, we had met I don't know, uh, two years prior. He's a musician and a sound designer and a composer. We'd had this baby and we thought, what if we just quit our jobs and start our own audio company? I know how to write. I know how to talk pretty. He knows how to make beautiful music. So we started our own audio company, moved to the Berkshires, and WBUR came a calling just a few months later asking us if we would make a pilot for a kid's podcast. They didn't know what that meant. But they wanted to make a kids podcast. So we dreamed up the idea for Circle Round, telling folk tales as audio plays featuring beloved voices from the stage and screen. And it's amazing. I love it. Um, one of my friends is a nurse for home health care and she listens with her her patient. We do say it's for ages three to 103. Well, a good story, right, is for everyone. <laughs> a, a bad children's story is only for children. Indeed. 
there's a universality to a story told well. And luckily we have this incredible source material from nearly every single country in the world that we're able to adapt from modern audiences. That is so cool. So growing up, did you have a favorite story? Did you fall in love with world stories early in your life? I think I fell in love with all stories early in life. And when I was in kindergarten, I dreamed of being a children's book author. Um, who knew that 40 some years later, I would be making that dream come true. But I think I just, I just loved reading. I loved telling stories. I loved hearing stories. I will say my favorite chapter book growing up was The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. Oh, if so good. Know that book. Oh, yeah. so good. So good. Genius. But yes, always a reader, always a storyteller. I did creative writing competitions when I was in middle school and junior high. I've always been in love with stories. Do you have a favorite story to tell your son? Because you're a mom. So is there a story you would like default to before you ended up as this global storyteller? He loves hearing any kind of story. He really loves real life stories. For example, there was a time where I was in Turkey, yeah. the country of Turkey, and I went on a solo hike and I got lost. Oh, and I used the picture. I used the pictures I had taken in my camera to find my way back. Um, wow. I had taken all these selfies. It was like a modern day Hansel and Gretel. That's one of his favorite stories. A true story. It's a true story, but there's yeah. something about it that just captures his imagination. That, I mean, yeah, that should be a book. I think there's a book there. <laughs> what a what a novel experience that you used your own selfies to help guide you back to where you were. I was freaking out. It took me some minutes before I realized, wait a minute, I have a breadcrumb trail. Oh, yeah. I have a trail showing me where I went, and it's right here on this smartphone. I would Thank totally freak out, too. Yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. So yeah, so it sounds like you've been a lover of stories forever, but why do global stories matter? Why did you go that route with Circle Round? There's something about folk tales. You know, folk tales are called folk tales because they originated with a people or a folk. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're these traditional stories and legends that go back hundreds of years and they're passed down through speaking and telling more so than writing. And I'm so in love with this idea of hearing hearing the words and then passing them down to someone else. It's often said that the first sense we develop when we are in the womb is the sense of hearing. Yeah. So it's like primordial. It goes way, way back. And what I love about these folk tales is they can be told as a way to, to teach a lesson, the importance of being courageous to believe in yourself with mm -hmm. using your imagination. But then we have these really great origin stories, which are used to explain something in the world, mm -hmm. usually a natural phenomenon. Um, why skunks smell, where thunder and lightning come from, or in the case of a folktale I just adapted from Korea, why most cats and dogs don't get along. That's I love a that fun way story. In, <laughs> we'll be performing that one uh, live at Tanglewood at the end of August. Um, but it's just so exciting to think about these people hundreds or thousands of years ago, taking these things in the natural world that they did not understand, but using story to make sense of them. I just love that. It feels so good to know that other people were wrestling with these same questions that we sit around our dinner table and ask, right? Like your curious four-year-old or your nine-year-old or your 13-year-old will ask you these things and the answer isn't always obvious. So to know that like people have been wrestling with these questions of why forever feels good to know. It does. And in a way, the stories can be more interesting than the science. You know, oh, you can say totally. cloud, clouds are bumping into each other and that's where thunder comes from. Or you can tell this great story about 
this mother sheep and her baby and how she became thunder and he became lightning because he was so raucous in the village. They got kicked out and had to move into the sky. That's so much more fun. So (laughs) much more fun. And, you know, in, in you can in, in the modern life, right? Like that funness is what your kids are finding in cartoons and video games. Like you see the storytelling in other forms all around their life, but we don't often engage in it as parents sometimes. Right. And the beauty of something like a podcast, like Circle Round is you take away the visuals and your children can let their imagination run wild. We rarely describe what our characters look like on the podcast. I'm not going to say she has long flowing black hair. Um, I'm going to let the child decide yeah. what this character looks like. We just wrote a story called A Song for the Spirits from West Africa. And it was really important that I didn't describe the forest spirits, these spirits that haunt yeah. the forest at night. I did not want to give any indication of what they look like. You hear their voices. And my husband, who does our sound design, did some really cool effects to make them sound all like reverbed and echoey and ethereal. Uh But not once do I say what they look like because I want our children, I want Circle Round to be a movie for the mind. We don't always need screens to ignite our imaginations. I love that that's an intentional choice. So your background, right? You've mentioned it was creative nonfiction. Do you find like that's an Like I had never heard of the idea that you could study creative nonfiction. Creative nonfiction. When I was at the University of Iowa, there was the writer's workshop, which is still there. Legendary, famous for fiction and poetry. And then I was in a fairly new program, which has grown since I was there. But the NWP, the nonfiction writing program, it's taking real life stories or real life phenomena and finding creative ways to appeal Mm -hmm. to readers. Um, I focused mainly on personal essays, telling stories from my own life. Mm-hmm. But we had nature writers in the program. We had people who were interested in science and they were working on books and essays and trying to find ways just to talk about planets, for instance, yeah. in a creative way, a way that will really captivate an imagination and not be all dry, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So creative, creative nonfiction. It's such a, it's just a novel idea. We we talked about it at the dinner table while I was prepping to talk to you. I like include my 15 and 14 year old and nine year old, especially when they've experienced your podcast and your book. And I was like, guys, what do you think? How do you think that impacts? And they were like, I didn't know that was an option to write nonfiction <laughs> creatively. Like it's kind of not an option at the school assignments for something. So it's fun to hear. I have a question for you. As you're developing Circle Rounds podcasting your stories, how are you finding the stories? And how long did they take to develop from when you start marinating in the story, probably, to the finished product that a kid can listen to? Those are great questions. A big shout out to the librarians at the West Stockbridge Public Library. <laughs> I'm either their favorite person or their least favorite person. <laughs> Because I am constantly putting books on hold in the Massachusetts library system, having the books delivered to West Stockbridge and then picking them up. Um, it takes about four tote bags a week wow. to pick up all of my folktale books. I go into that library search catalog thing online and just do the keyword searches to end all keyword searches. I'm looking for folklore, folktales, fairy tales, mythology, legends, plus every single country where I'm trying to find stories. So I'm constantly taking books out from the library. Right now I'm looking, I'm in my son's playroom, by the way, which is also my office. <laughs> and I have a pile of roughly, I'm going to say four dozen folktale books at my foot right now that I have yet to go through. So I'm constantly culling looking for stories. And once I find a story, it doesn't end there. I might find a Chinese folktale that I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
But then I'll be looking through a book of Haitian folktales, and lo and behold, there's another version of that story. Then I'll be looking at an anthology of Jewish folktales, and there's another version of that story. And then Italian, and then Icelandic. Um, And that actually does happen. Some of these stories, these motifs, somehow traveled around the world. Was it through trade? Was it through exploration? I don't know. But you'll find these stories all over the place. So it can take me a while to research a story. And in terms of writing it, we yeah. have deadlines, so I have to be snappy, <laughs> but some, sometimes I'll abandon a story. Season two, I remember I was working on this story and I just thought, I can't make it work. I can't make it work. I'm going to save the file. Mm-hmm. Well, I picked it up three years later, not long ago. We just yeah. finished season five, circle around. And I thought, this is really good. Why did I abandon this? <laughs> and two weeks later, we had a new script for Circle Round. So it can be, they can be written in a burst of inspiration done within a week. Yeah. It can take me several years. Yeah. Well, these stories, are, you're right. We've done a whole thing with our kids um, when we were homeschooling that we explored like Cinderella from all around the world. There are some stories that if you want to at home right now, using Circle Round as your inspiration, you can find Cinderella stories all around the world and they're the same but very different too. Absolutely. The book that we just, well, we just came out with two books for Circle Around, the right. first two in a series, The Tale of the Unwelcome Guest. We found versions, the story that I was just referring mm-hmm. to, we found versions from China and India and Italy and Iceland <laughs> and the Middle East. We use the Middle Eastern Turkish versions as our primary influence okay. for this particular version. Yeah. But you will find versions of this story May I, may I give a quick summary? Absolutely. Yeah. Jump in. Cause I've read fun. it. So I know that other people probably haven't. So I know exactly what you're talking about. My son and I have sat laying on the floor, noticing and then noticing the pictures and noticing the words. It's interesting. So tell us about it. We called the podcast episode, the unwelcome guest. We called the book, the tale of the unwelcome uh-huh. guest. And essentially it's about a man who's very much respected in his community, and he's invited to a fancy party. The whole town is invited to the mm-hmm. fancy party. And he's excited because he's going to get to put on his fancy red silk coat that he only saves for special occasions. But in our version, he works in a vineyard, and he's working hard all day squishing and squashing those grapes. And by the time he looks at the clock, the party is about to begin. He is covered in grape juice. He is sweaty. He is smelly. But he has yep. no time to change. So he goes to the party, and despite the fact that he is a wise, respected man in the community, everyone gives him the cold shoulder. They won't even talk to him. The governor is throwing the ball. She won't even look at him. The butlers escort him to a table in the corner where he's shunned, and then he realizes it's because of what he's wearing. He's wearing this smelly, stinky, grape juice-stained outfit. So he sneaks away, goes back home, gets himself all scrubbed up, puts on his red silk coat, comes back to the governor's mansion and he is greeted with all smiles. The guards at the door, the party goers, the butlers, the governor herself. And then when the governor invites him to eat, instead of eating the beautiful (laughs) party foods offered to him, one by one, he drops them into the pockets of his coat and makes a big show of doing so. Here you go, coat. You love soup, don't you? Here you go, coat. Enjoy this. And everyone is very confused. They're gaping at him as if he has three heads. And they ask, what are you doing? Yeah. He explains, when I came to this party originally this evening, I was dressed in my work clothes, all stained and smelly, and you wouldn't give me the time of day. But then I come wearing this beautiful coat, and I'm greeted with smiles. So clearly, I was the unwelcome guest, and the coat must be the welcome one. And the lesson he's trying to teach everyone is, 
don't judge someone based on their appearance. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's what's mm-hmm. inside that counts. I'm still the same wise, respected guy. And um, they learn a very, very valuable and uh, delicious delicious lesson. And with the timing of this, like this is really one of those books that you want to read before school starts here to your kids. Like some of these conversations that folk tales can offer us in global stories, right? They're lessons we want to teach, but we don't really know how without sounding preachy. But the story allows us an opportunity. Absolutely. When we adapt stories for Circle Round, we do our best not to be too preachy and didactic. Mm -hmm. To let children sort of discover the lesson on their own. Mm-hmm. And at the end of every episode, and we do these in the books as well, we have a special activity. In the case of the book, we have a million activities, yes. games, apps, inspired it's by the so story. Much but fun. we'll always say, we'll say, now it's your turn. And we'll ask the listener a question or offer them a craft to do or something to reflect on the theme of the story, the lessons learned. Again, in a fun way, not a preachy, yeah. teachy. Yeah, like an extend the story, like you're a part of this, because that's that's what stories want us to do. If we were sitting around the camp route, camp fire together, really circling around, that would be the natural extension. Do you do that with your son when you're reading stories? Do you naturally extend because of your experience? I think I do. I think I do. And sometimes I'll even stop in the middle and ask, you know, why do you think the character did that? Or before I turn the page, what do you think will happen mm-hmm. next? I really want to include him in the story. And in Circle Round, we do the same thing. The narrator will stop for a moment sometimes and say, and what do you think happened? Or, and can you guess why she did that? We actually speak to them. And anecdotally, I can tell you from grownups who have written me emails, yeah. sometimes the kids call out. Oh, yeah. What do you think will happen? They'll say, well, Rebecca Shear, we think that the skunk is going to go to the top of the mountain. Um, they yeah. go involved. You break the fourth wall and you get involved. Normally, I have to like pause the story and make it to happen. So I appreciate the fact that your podcast actually allows that to happen, that it's expected that they like get an opportunity. We really want to encourage them to be involved fully. I mean, the episode opens with me asking a question. We call it the cold open. You hear those in podcasts uh-huh. all the time. We start by asking a question. Who's someone in your life whom you admire? Can you think of a time you were brave? When's the last time you gave someone advice? And we have this little opening that then sets up the theme. Do the story. And then at the end, we have the now it's your turn. Think about a time you played well on a team. Find a piece of paper and draw a picture of how you felt after you and your team worked together to achieve something. It's great. So when you've written the script, does it take a lot of work to get all those sound effects in there? What's the other behind the scenes that you could tell a kid? There is a lot behind the scenes um, to take listeners behind the curtains, giving away all our secrets. (laughs) You know, you got to inspire the next storytellers who probably have (laughs) access to a lot of technology, right? Like they can probably make a lot of podcasts on their own if they just knew a couple tricks. Totally. Well, I'm happy to share some tricks. First, we write the script, and I have an editor at WBUR, Boston's NPR station, who helps me shape it and form it so it's as strong and tight and fun as possible. From there, we do the casting, and we always have one or two celebrity guests, someone from movie, television, Broadway, podcasts, public radio, um, and we send them out the scripts, and wherever they are, we find them a place to record. Some people can record at home, and they have their own booth. Mm-hmm. Often, we will find a conveniently located professional studio wherever they are. We recently booked a studio for someone in Lisbon, Portugal. Fine. Um, I, I am connected with them while they're recording on their end to listen in, offer direction, and read the other characters. 
um, we don't want them to feel like they're recording in a vacuum. Right. So I will do all the voices of all the other characters so that they have something to bounce against, not That's just cool. silence. And from there, uh, my husband, Eric Shimalonis, who does our sound and music, mm-hmm. he gets all the tape and he puts it together along with the tracks that yeah. I record, my narration, and makes it sound like we were all in the same place at the same time. After that, he picks one instrument each week. We have one featured instrument, sometimes an instrument from where the story comes from. If it's a Chinese story, maybe we use the pipa. If it's from Japan, maybe we use the shamisen. Or he picks something that's sort of thematically appropriate. We did a story called Stella and the Dragon from Romania. Eric used the double bass to sort of represent the big booming dragon because the double bass is the big booming orchestral instrument. So after he does the actor's voices and my voice, he does the sound effects, he does the music, and we put it all together. Just this morning, we listened to the final mix of this week's Circle Round story, and um, I offered some notes. Yeah. Next, I offer my notes (laughs) gently. We have a a business and a marriage to keep going, so I'm gentle. Um, And then... The podcast comes out and it's enjoyed by listeners in, what, 159 countries around the world at this point. That is so neat. Have you ever recorded a story with everyone in the same room? Has that ever been possible? We do that once a year at Tanglewood, which is the summer home of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. It's in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts, where my husband and I live with our son. Mm -hmm. We will record three new episodes every year in front of a live audience. Okay. So all the actors are together. My husband usually conducts a trio from the Boston Symphony. Um, in just a few weeks, he'll be recording or he'll be conducting a quartet from the Boston Symphony. So cool. And it happens live in front of the audience. You hear them clapping. You hear them laughing. You hear them gasping. And it's such a fun experience to do each year and an honor to yeah. record with great actors and members of the Boston Symphony Orchestra. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I bet your kindergarten, you didn't imagine that this would be how you would write stories. Like you said you wanted to be a children's book author and you totally have been in audio form for years now. I think she'd be very happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Ramona um, story. Like you just don't know how these adulthood things are going to turn out. So true. So when you have this story, do you ever change it to make it more modern or more accessible? Um, when you find a story? Well, we do. We adapt the stories. And I and we've been doing readings on the mm-hmm. books lately where I talk to people. When we have kids coming into bookstores and museums, I yeah. ask them, do you know what it means to adapt to something? Right. And more often than not, they don't know what it means to adapt. And I explain it's to take something original, what we call our source material, and to move it into a different form. And that might mean changing it, modifying it, altering it. And we do that all the time. So okay. around is for modern audiences. And while we want to stay true to our source material and whatever region or culture the story is from, we want it to really resonate with everyone. Mm-hmm. So there's a story called Stella and the Dragon about a woman who outwits a dragon. And the original from Romania, it's Stan and the Dragon. And we mm-hmm. thought, how great would it be to have a woman... This fierce, strong, fearless woman come in and use her mind power uh-huh. to outwit this dragon. Or frequently in folk tales, the whole thing that the story hinges on is the king is trying to find an ideal husband for his daughter, the princess. <laughs> yep. That does not fly with me. Um, not in this day and age. So we will change it to a queen trying to find a new royal advisor. Or it's usually a queen. I have yeah. to say, it's usually a queen. I'm thinking of particular uh-huh. stories here. Or the queen, we, there's some sort of problem that she needs to solve that isn't about finding someone to marry her kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, something else in folktales, very traditional. You'll see this in Brothers Grimm and everywhere. Two siblings, 
The older one's the mean one, the younger one's the kind one. Early on in Circle Round, we were very true to those without thinking. Yeah. Um, and people started writing in and saying, you know, my daughter is an older sister and she's wondering why the older siblings are always so mean. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I thank you for, thank you for pointing that out. So now we'll have the two characters be twins or cousins or neighbors yeah. or an uncle and his niece. We don't always want to continue this thing of the older one has to be bad and the younger one has to be good. So those are just some of the ways that we adapted for modern audiences. So everyone feels represented by these stories. I love that. And yeah, that is totally a theme that you don't notice until you notice. And how right. great that those people <laughs> wrote you and said, hey. <laughs> we love getting listener feedback. Um, we love hearing from our listeners. And because we have listeners in so many countries, it's so cool to get emails from like Nairobi, you know? Yeah. Um, and just to be in touch with people all over the world. It's amazing. Podcast really makes a difference. Yeah. So was there a country that most surprised you of the stories that you found? Is there like a hidden gem of a country that you didn't really know about until you found a story? That's a really great question. Um. There have been some countries that have been harder to find folktales that are adaptable for Circle Round. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, Iceland, most of the stories, with the exception of the version of the unwelcome guest that we found, so many of the stories are epic based on the sagas of their heroes of days of old. Yes. And those stories are just so big and epic (laughs) that they're a little hard to turn into like a lovely little intimate Circle Round story. Right. Um, but we're, we're going to still keep trying. I mean, the books that I have down here, what do I have? I have West Africa, Finland, Wales, Japan, China, Ecuador, the book of Ecuador folktales. Um, so we are, we are just determined to have as many countries represented as possible. Um, do you have a map? Have you checked them off as you go? I have an online map (laughs) where I have a little, a digital pin in all the countries that we have done to make sure that the world is covered because we want children to be able to learn about other cultures. We know a lot of families who homeschool or unschool Mm -hmm. and circle round isn't just a way to learn reading comprehension or listening comprehension or life lessons. They use it to learn geography. They're like, well, this story was from Pakistan. Let's talk about Pakistan. Where is it? What are, what's the food like? What are the people like? What's the history? What's the culture? Likewise, to go on a bit of a tangent, yeah. Circle Round is used for music education because Absolutely. we have a featured instrument every week. We have a little um, web feature each week. We have, there's a picture of my husband playing his instrument. And there's a little blurb about what that instrument is, where it comes from, how it's been played, how it's developed through the years. It used to be made of wood, but now they're made of metal. Um So there really is an educational opportunity all around with Circle Round. As someone that's listened to the podcast, I don't think that I've explored the resources on the website like that. So that's like such a neat thing as I go to homeschool fourth grade here to know I can dive deep into that in a different way. Yes, please. I mean, music is Eric's passion and music education is Eric's passion. And it's there's nothing more exciting than for us to do a live performance of Circle Round where he has an instrument that kids have never seen before. This summer, we're on a book tour with yeah. The Tale of the Unwelcome Guest and A Taste mm-hmm. of Honey, our first two books. And he's playing the oud and the sitar. He's schlepping an oud and a sitar all over the Northeast. What's an oud? I know what a sitar <laughs> is, but what's an oud? An oud is a beautiful pear-shaped lute. 
okay. from the Middle East. A stringed instrument. Yeah. With the body used uh, to be made of a gourd, so it's sort of shaped like uh-huh. a pear. Eric's is made of wood. And it just has this beautiful sound. And when you play it in a certain way, it really takes you to the Middle East or Turkey. Um, so we just had to use that for the unwelcome guests to really give a full That's so feel cool. of the culture. Yeah, because their culture, how music is written, is different too. Like the pen, the scale that they use, and it's very easy to tell where where something's from based on their patterns. Absolutely. And Eric, I mean, he's constantly collecting instruments and listening to world music to really you know steep himself in it. That I love this collaboration. It's so <laughs> much fun. And you get to do it from home. Does your son get tired of these stories? Does he play an instrument yet? He is into many instruments because we have <laughs> all the instruments in our home. Right now he's really it into be the drums. He's hard got, to choose. <laughs> he's got a drum set, which he loves for now. But yeah. that could change tomorrow. Um, but Igor, uh, our son Igor, is very much involved in the podcast. He wasn't a fan of Circle Round until he turned about three. Yeah. He wanted nothing to do with it until he turned three, and now he can't get enough. And not only is he our apprentice and our intern, and he offers notes each week before the episode goes out, but he's been in some episodes. So That's he's amazing. a burgeoning voiceover artist. He's played many characters in Circle Round. That's very, very cool. Well, with all of your busy life and all of this reading and all this storytelling, how are you taking care of yourself? I love to end Keep Calm and Mother On with two anchor questions. So the first one is... What's an act of self-care, right? Because you got to keep pouring into your cup all the time, especially as a mom. You got to love from the overflow is my philosophy. The the more you can pour in, the more that naturally flows out of you. And then how are you having fun as a family? So let's start with the self-care. Self-care for me, it's about taking time to read and not to read something I have to do for work. Although I, it's hard to call circle round work because it's so much fun. Because <laughs> you love it. You can hear it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's my other baby. Um, but taking time to read. Uh, as someone who graduated from a nonfiction writing program, I love to read nonfiction that is creative. Yeah. Um, a lot of essayists. I'm really, I'm really into reading essayists. David Sedaris, Samantha Irby, um, Shalab Auslander, David Rakoff. Um, may he rest in peace. Yeah. I love reading creative nonfiction, going inside someone else's head, reading about someone else's experience and also being inspired by the way they write, the vocabulary they use, the turns of phrase, the rhythm. Um, so I really think that finding time to read something that you love that is not related to your job or your work or your career is so, so important. You can be sitting in bed, but you're transported somewhere else in an instant. It's magical. I love that that really is. And it's important to differentiate. Like you get to read for pleasure. Like that's an important part of having a reading life. It's so important. And there are parts of your brain and heart that just need to be lit up that maybe they're not always with what you're doing, you know, professionally. Yeah. So how are you having fun as a family? We are having so much fun as a family this summer um, when we're not on our book tour. And we have many, many stops across <laughs> yeah. the Northeast reading our books and Eric playing his oud and his sitar. Um, we're, we're using this summer to sort of follow our son's interests. He is very into aviation right now. Fun. So we found the New England Air Museum. Who knew that in Windsor Locks, Connecticut, there is this amazing facility filled with planes and helicopters and um, flight simulators from the past decades. It's extraordinary. Uh, My son is also into dinosaurs. Who knew that in, I believe it is Hadley or South Hadley, Massachusetts, 
There's dinosaur footprints. There's some in Connecticut, too, that you can cast. Oh, I'm so glad you're telling me about this because he will flip out. (laughs) You can bring the plaster of Paris with you. you got to bring it with you because they don't sell it there, which is unfortunate. Um, But you can cast it. BYO. Yeah. We will have to check it out. (laughs) So we've been doing a lot of that. Things that our son is interested because this book tour is very much about me and Eric Uh taking him to another place, which is fun. (laughs) We got to go to Portland, Maine. He got to go on the ferries, also really into boats. So we're trying to make this summer a balance between mommy and daddy have to work. Uh huh. But let's do something that's going to light up, you know, make your eyes light up too. I love that you're making time for that. That those are, these are going to be great memories. We hope so. Well, thank you so much. Where people should follow you at Circle Round, they should subscribe to that podcast. They should pick up these two books, The Tale of the Unwelcome Guest and A Taste of Honey. Where else should they look for you online? How can they best connect with you? Well, uh, on Instagram, we are at Circle Round Podcast. Okay. Likewise, on Facebook, on Twitter, we are at Come Circle Round. And please check out our website. We have so many great resources for every story. There's a full transcript for every story. There's a bit about where the story is from. There's the musical spotlight where you get to see the instrument and read about the instrument. There's also our Now It's Your Turn activity, which is some sort of activity inspired by the story. And that's WBUR.org slash Circle Round. That's amazing. Have people sent in like Reader's Theater of kids doing your transcripts yet? Uh, We have. And we have many more children making up their own. And they'll either send us audio or a video of them doing their own story inspired by whatever they just heard on our podcast. That is way to be a world changer. (laughs) It feels good, especially during these last few topsy-turvy years. Absolutely. Well, thanks thanks for helping us keep calm and mother on together. Well, thank you. I hope that this podcast inspired you to use maybe that back to school driving time to listen to the Circle Round podcast and to read the amazing books that were just written. I know that my life as a mom is richer when we share stories together as a family, when we get to talk about big ideas and listen well and practice listening well. So much of our life is full of noise. But a good story isn't noise. It it expands your heart and your mind and your soul in the best possible way. You are exactly the right mom for your kids. I am so glad that you're on earth together with me and that we can keep calm and mother on together. Your kids are exactly the right kids for you. And I hope you have just the best week ever. Please remember to go text this podcast to three friends. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.